0: Welcome to episode 882 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio team, welcome along to episode 882 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oh, how are you going, mate? I'm pretty good. yourself, Beyond? Back in the studios early in the morning, you can't even see the outside.
1: No, 5 27 a.m. is the ever to start? It's up there. It's up there. Yeah, it's up there. John's good. Got his casual clothes on, he hasn't biked up this morning. I thought I was going to have to. I was a little concerned because the weather, since we've been back, has been shizer. And why would you have to bike up if it was wet? Uh, I think Belinda was going to be good doing something. Oh, so. I mm-hmm. Talk is proudly brought to you by Our fantastic patrons We've
0: got Alan, the ferocious
1: spirit Hodgkinson Angus, the wild bull
0: boy And then Michael, the meat muncher Egan And this week's show we've got some uh, news
1: Hot topic of the week, we are got an interview John We are talking to a guy called Sean Conway Who is trying to break the Iron Cowboys uh, record of 102 consecutive Ironmans back to back And he's uh, nearing the end Well, I can't wait to talk to him because that's phenomenal. Coach's Corner, what are we doing here? Uh, I can't even remember what we talked about post-race in terms of my little race review. I know we did a bit, but um, I was just going to go over... Deeper reflection. A little bit deeper reflection.
0: Well, anyway, questions and answers at the end. Okay, so we had Ironman Germany happen over the weekend,
1: and it was... It was was two weekends ago,
0: actually. We're catching up. Uh, Female-only race. Does does that show that Ironman Germany's lost to its bit of prestige?
1: Uh, I think they've done it for a couple of years now. But Um, at the same time,
0: does it still... You know, because Germany used to go, used to go, Kona, wrote Germany. Yep, they were yeah. the three.
1: Yeah, it it does take a bit away for me. I... St- that, that being said, uh, I did see a comment from Rebecca Clark, who finished in eighth place, our uh, Kiwi, uh, and she was leading early on, uh, just commenting it was pretty cool being at the front of a big race yep. uh, and the women are on show. So I think it's got its advantages and disadvantages, but it would be nice to have a few races um, that, you know, the the, biggie, the biggies, like your regional championships, where you have got male and female only. Uh, we, no, you've got combined together.
0: When we look at the scale of um, pedigree of races nowadays, but the championship races are second tier, aren't they? Definitely. You know, you've got, you've got your world championships. You have got your PTOs. You know, really, the championship races. Because even if we look at the fields, we're not really in the the, the stellar fields, here, are we? Wrote R- had
1: a stellar field, but and um, that's probably
0: the only other Ironman. R- I've, in- I've, you probably wrote slightly above championship races.
1: Uh, this, certainly this year you would. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so let's look at what happened in the females' race. Yeah, so it was a, it was a good race actually. You had uh, Sky Monch, uh, who you know is not the greatest swimmer. She swam 59, but then rode a 4:49. Uh, so she was leading, um, but then only managed a 3:03 on the run to finish an 8:57. And Sarah True um, took it out. She swam 52, rode a 4:58, and ran a nice little solid 2:57 for an 8:54. Um, and Sarah True, you know. Great athlete, but she's been around for a long time. She's 41 now, oh. my um, mother, and she's also, I think, studying as well. Uh, so great comeback. And I think it will be a nice closing of a door for her um, in terms of, I just noticed, they've got a picture here of, of, the, of her rivals. So you've got Scott, uh, Sky Monch as a rival, Paula Finlay, Anne Howe, Flora Duffy, and then we've got a picture of Daniela Reeve, and they've got a picture of a goat oh there you go um, but anyway uh, great comeback so if you do recall quite a few years ago and I'm not sure, uh, there we go it was 2019 uh, I think that was when she was coming back from having her child uh, and she was trying to qualify for Hawaii and she had to that's she right she did Ironman uh DNF'd and then went to I German, mean, she was Germany, leading Germany, She wasn't was she? leading That's by right, a yeah. long way. And it was one of those days it was insanely hot. Uh, and she just completely caved. It was one of those ones where you just it was really uncomfortable to watch. A bit like, you know, the Julie Moss sort of collapse from the finish line. She was wobbling all over the show and just collapse. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty scary to watch, actually. She got to
0: Hawaii, but kind of DNF'd in Hawaii because she went to um, Montreal Yeah, and uh, it was just too close, wasn't it, by Yeah, end, at the end of the day? Because when she went to Kauai, Hawaii, she DNF'd.
1: Um, yeah, because she did at the start started June Germany at the end of June, yeah, and August. then went August for Tremblant, and, you know, you got to remember that when you KO yourself like that in a race, it it's probably cost, takes a bit yeah. of re- recovery, mentally and physically, um, but she's she's been a great athlete. You know, the year before that, she'd finished fourth at Hawaii, um, second in Germany, uh, so great athlete, um, and I could be wrong she when she had her baby, but anyway... Great to see her come back. Uh, last year she won Arizona and Lake Placid, and now she's got a regional championship uh box ticked so good on her.
0: Okay we also
1: had Ironman Switzerland happen
0: over the weekend this was a male only race and this was a silver tier Ironman distance race so which means $50,000 prize money what happened there John? Uh, Yep so we had Jan van Berkel take it out
1: Uh, that is he's retiring after that race. I was going to say
0: another name that's been around for a long time isn't it?
1: Yeah so he's 37. um, You'd argue that's maybe a little bit early to retire you win a race. Yeah but he's been he's won it a few times before um and got to get on with the rest of life probably maybe he's got some some other doors of open but 37 you know especially when you're not a a top tier athlete i know winning a race means you're pretty you're pretty awesome But, you know, only $50,000 prize money, total prize purse, so can't imagine you'd be making a fortune off it. What
0: a cool way to go out as well.
1: Mm, Swam 54, rode a 4.25 and ran a solid uh, 2.40 for an 8.05. Second was uh, Leonard Arnold in 8.07, so, you know, relatively pretty close race. And then Andrea Salzberg was third in 8.10, so... There's not many races to go for the boys, and pretty much everybody's qualified. So you know, from here on in, if we do have any pro races, um, you know, the fields are probably going to be pretty diluted, especially given that Nice is going to be in September, so a little bit earlier than what we're used to um, when World Champs are normally October. So the
0: big piece of news that came through this week was that Andrew Messick is sitting down, sitting down, or standing down as the CEO of. Ironman organisation, whatever it's called. What's the official name nowadays?
1: I think it is just Iron Man. Yeah. It's not by Wanda Group or whatever no, anymore. Yeah, It's not WTC. It's no, it's been Iron about 14 years, is it? I, th- I think it's 12. Okay,
0: 12 years in the position. Um, and John's kind of got bullet points here of what he's kind of the good and bad, I suppose, of, of his time. But he's, well, let's break it down. So, Because the first one you've got here, a massive expansion of races around the world and... And not just in Ironman racing, you know, they took over a lot of big marathons, you know, yeah. cycling events. It's it's a much bigger organisation now than when he took it over.
1: Huge, you know, there's so many, there's a lot of Ironmans now, but you got to think, I don't know the number of half, half Ironmans, 70.3s, but it's huge, you know, uh, all over the world and expanding into emerging markets, into Asia, into the Middle East, you know you got races in Kazakhstan, you got races in India, that sort of stuff never existed, all through South America, all through sort of Eastern Europe and stuff. You know, the one area they haven't expanded, which was interesting, is uh, into China. You know, we had Chinese um, border. was one, was it? Yeah. There's it? uh, not anymore, I don't think. There's yeah, any. but there was one. Yes, but, but that but was around had, before him, wasn't it? Uh, possibly, but they had and they had a few seventy point threes there, and yeah. then I was getting pretty fired up because used to be able to go and do the seventy point threes and qualify for for Kona and China. Um, so yeah, massive, massive expansion. Plus, as a business, yeah, huge as well with cycling events, running events, marathons, um, lots of big marathons. AO, yeah. yeah. So from a business point of view, uh, that. It's just way, way, way bigger than what it ever was before.
0: It'd be really interesting to get a financial dude to have a look behind the scenes to see Mm. what's are they in a healthy financial position? Mm. Like I imagine they are, but we really have no insight into that, do we? Um, Legacy programming. I actually take responsibility. We take responsibility for that. Yeah, because if you were listening to the show years ago, we kind of came up with the idea on the show.
1: And then not long afterwards, it got announced. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> on the show, news was broken. Yeah, yeah. So the legacy program, we don't really talk about it so much now. And I, and I wonder if it is going to get a bit diluted in terms of, you know, whether we have the rotating system. You know, it's a lot easier to qualify for Kona now because you've got, you know, male and female only fields. But at the time, I just thought it was fantastic. It did have a few tweaks over the years in terms of you know I think that's about right, is not it? It started at ten and then did it go to twelve I think or it was twelve? Or and then it, there was a
0: period where you, yeah you had to keep doing it every year. Yeah. And then it, I think they changed that.
1: But overall, it gave people uh, a t- way to get into Kona, which from for, was going to be impossible basically. And it
0: rewarded people who were long time lovers of the sport. Yeah. You know they got the golden ticket now. It will, it will get, because there was a massive backlog for a long period. I um, mean, COVID helped that a little bit, but also the splitting of the, the two, the male and the female. I think what will be interesting moving forward is will people hold off to the Kona year? Mm, definitely know, they will. Yeah, yeah, and so, although maybe as Nice builds its own legacy, that might change, mm-hmm. you know, like, if Nice this year is absolutely phenomenal to watch, you might go, actually, maybe I will do Nice.
1: I think what you will find, though, is, especially on the female side of it, um, the backlog will get start to get cleared a lot quicker, because more and more people will be qualifying, so I know, you know, somebody from Christchurch qualified this year at uh, I Man New Zealand, who previously would never have been... Oh, so she wouldn't
0: have been able to get on Legacy. Or yeah, she would have waited w- for Legacy.
1: She placing and yep, the race point. would be a lot further down, but because there's so many slots, she she qualified um, by right, which is fantastic. So I think the female side will get cleared. The males, I imagine, will still be reasonably hard and, and take a while.
0: We also had the 70.3s went from kind of a thing that was happening that didn't really hold much weight to now being a, a pretty significant race in the calendar.
1: Yeah, for, for pros and, and for championships that it is and yep. it's, it's a race when when it wasn't clear what I was like it's basically another 70.3 and it's got a bit of a stronger field on the the boys side um but females uh, on the boys and girls side so sorry, age groupers yeah doesn't wasn't in a recount. now it's a race you talk about you're trying to qualify for 70.3 world champs they make it on a cool course and really excellent locations uh so it's a it's a race that really matters
0: okay also um we also had the rolling swim starts which is been quite significant, really, in the way the sport's done, isn't it?
1: Mm. I don't like it, but uh, it's necessary, my, but wasn't it? Yeah, but athletes, uh, by and large, uh, seem to like it, and it makes the swim more relaxed. And it just took a, t- a little bit of time to get used to. I'd still like to see a bit of a combination of the two. So in rote, we had wave starts, which was which I really liked and enjoyed. Um, for me, don't like it on a personal level, but if practicalities, I think it's good and. Uh, I think people are just used to it now. Rollings, uh,
0: sorry, the, the probably one of the controversies of his time was the the debate around females and pros. So uh, Women for Try, they started, but the 50 women in tro, Kona Saga was pretty massive for a long period there, wasn't it? Where, so for those who don't know, basically the males had 50 pro athletes. It was 35 for the females, wasn't it? Was, it? yeah. Yeah, and there was a big controversy saying, why can't we get
1: 50 females there? And they kind of dug their heels in, didn't they? Andrew Messick dug his heels and just mm. saying, you know, the... The quality and numbers. the quantity's yep. not not there. And it was just like this is a really dumb argument. Yeah, just for fifteen athletes. But once he'd taken that position, he wasn't gonna concede. Uh so and they didn't ultimately did they at all they got the bigger. Well it seems now now it's yeah, equal. Now it is, yeah. um but it kind of fits that. but it was just it was a bad look. Um and so that's definitely a, a blight on his uh, his reign, I think. Pandemic? Well, he just had to work through the pandemic. So when you were saying before about what sort of shape is the business in, I'm sure pre-pandemic it was probably really good. Yep. Post-pandemic, probably not so good. But mm-hmm. um, he had to sort of wade his way through like many leaders did around the world. And um, yeah, some people gave him criticism, but I think, you know, they did the best yeah, they could.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of businesses out there. Also, lastly, probably moving the world championships is really probably – As we think of a long term legacy, that's probably one of the biggest things he did. Massive.
2: Yeah. And we don't
1: know the ramifications yet. No. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think on a pro level, it's great. Um, On an age group level, whether it degrades Kona over time, don't know. Or whether it's going to mean that the world champ on alternate years is is not as important for age groupers, don't really know. Um, It's going to be really interesting to see how it pans out.
0: Yeah. Looking ahead to this year's races... It seems that Nice will be the more interesting race. Mm. They're both great fields, but just but maybe it's just because we don't know. Mm. You know, maybe it's time. You know, as we get to see Nice a bit more, understand how that race works. But
1: I think for prize is going to be awesome. Just going to be interested to see if it's this every second year age group race that, that really matters.
0: Uh, so, just on a personal note, he was always we, we we've interviewed him quite a few times over the years, um, and met him in person yeah. quite a few times. He was always a really nice guy. He was pretty upfront, you know, like, you know, like I remember hmm. doing some interviews and we'd go into it with um, criticisms and he'd always answer them, but also he'd, he'd always often reveal insight. Like, I often think sometimes you look at something from the outside and you can be critical, but then when you get inside, you have a deeper understanding. I remember one of those notes was um, why they were kind of giving slots to lots to races that maybe didn't deserve them at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and his argument was, well, we often start to appear late in the piece that we kind of just make things work. And mm. you know, he was always pretty upfront with I know there was that interview did recently they walked out and I didn't actually listen to the interview but No,
1: oh, it wasn't worth it was, yeah. Wasn't worth listening to? No.
0: Were they just looking for controversy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: okay. but for me he was he cared, like he did Iron Man and he actually cared and I know that he, but he was running a business. So I'm sure if he if it wasn't a business he wasn't answerable to to, you know, shareholders in the debt leverage, and I don't know how all that sort of stuff works. But he cared, and I think his intentions are in the right place. Uh, But at the same time, bottom line is he has to make money. Um, So, yeah.
0: I suppose if we go right back to basics, is the sport in a better place?
1: Yeah, I think it is. You know, there's a lot of races. There's a lot more people participating. um,
0: Okay, actually, one other scar is never really did anything for the pros. Mm-hmm. You know, like the pros have had to take the sport in their hands, and luckily mm. they've got a massive benefactor who's given them power in the sport. Um, but if if PTO didn't come along, this, the pros would be in the same position, if not worse.
1: Yeah, but it would be interesting to see how things had panned out if PTO and Ironman had actually been able to get to the table and work together. How, did, how things would be different? Because they didn't
0: really open the door, did they? Mm. You know, even through the pandemic, where the PTO were like, "Hey, we'll give you some money," and they're like, oh, no, you know, and the, the contrast
1: is you see. PTO working with World Triathlon, and they've had you know one of their races was in Ibiza, which is where they're having the World Triathlon Champs for age groupers, and you know working together with them. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, so
0: if, you know if anything, it's if we go, it's a sport in a better place. Yes, a uh, pros in the better place. Yes, but not because of Ironman. Mm. You know, if anything, if if, if PTO didn't exist. Pros would probably be in a worse place than what they were. Totally. Yeah. So, um,
1: coming up this weekend, we have Ironman Vitoria, which is in Spain. Uh, last year, we had Nick Castelline take it out. It was a really good race, uh, very close between him and Cameron Worth. And Nick Castelline had sort of dropped back and came back. He won it by less than a minute in front of Cameron Worth. And uh, there was another fellow who was in the race, and his name is not in the top three. He must have exploded. I remember watching it. Um, and again, this year, well this, no, not again this year, this year is a female pro only race. Um, it's, at this time of the year, hard to know who's going to actually rock up. Um, certainly not, it's a 13% of a Kona field, so not a super strong field. Um, and you've got Gritz Fralds Loralde, who's a top seed, aimed for uh, 8.51. Sarah Svens uh, aiming for 8.53 and Angelica Jerk is 854, tell you what, there's going to be some people that are a long way down the list of uh, going to qualify for Kona, because down uh, in 7th place is Rebecca Clark, but she's not going to be racing because she did Ironman Frankfurt, but yeah, the the, the first person who hasn't qualified for Kona is seated 8th, so going to be a lot of roll downs on the the female side in terms of qualifying, so good luck for them, it's a $50,000 race, two slots. What
0: date is the men's race?
1: Uh, It's in September. So when, when is too late, late for them to qualify? Because there's um, obviously there's only, there's, only, there's only one race to go. It's on Man Lake Placid. That's men, but female can... Yeah, uh, and the females, are still, there's still a few more. I okay. think I've got that next week's show. Okay, there you go. Because we're doing four shows <laughs> yeah, in the next couple of days. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, also, we've got a couple of other races happening.
1: We have... Um, uh, so I don't think I mentioned this one before it's called the Odyssey Full which is in the UK and I noted that they have a draft legal bike ride it doesn't look like it's a very big race um, but I've never seen I don't think if I've anything been, that's more of an unfair advantage isn't it because if it's not a very big race and you can get in a draft pack but I think it's a participation event and but you get what I mean like if you oh go, yeah. say you got 100 people and 10 mm. people can get in the pack mm. but I'd like to see to be honest I'd like to see a bit more of this in terms of not a competitive race but if there's people I want to do a non distance race I want to be pretty social I just need to get around there Um, I think it's great. And John your short course update we've got Hamburg
0: coming up this weekend it looks like we've got the men's at least a pretty strong field.
1: It's going to be awesome. We've got uh, Yee versus Wild versus Matt Hauser. Matt Hauser actually beat um, Alex Yi in a French Grand Prix race last weekend. Uh, it was it Hauser, I don't. I've never heard it, that name. Oh, Matt. No, he's he's really good. You, you don't watch enough triathlon. No, I don't really uh, watch any he's, course He's good. He's he's definitely familiar. I've only really heard of Yee <laughs> Wild. Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's clearly the number three, and he's knocking on the door for those other two. Females field um, missing a few. Uh, George Taylor Brown, Taylor Nibb and Sophie Caldwell won't be there. So it may Means the the field's a bit more wide open, but Hamburg's always great race. Uh, sprint distance, and they also have a mixed team relay. Ye yeah, and Wild are still very young. Yep, House, House is young too. Yeah. So
0: who who do you see? And you would probably say, well, are, are Ye's the best because of his running ability. Um, who has the most
1: development in them?
2: Um,
1: like who has the opportunity to grow the most? I think they're all really even those three. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think they're pretty even. Okay. Mm. No. Because it is, you're looking for you know the, half a they've busy, both got a, uh, yeah. the, both Year and Wild got a bit of development on their their swim still. I think they'll still keep advancing on that. Um, Houses probably got a little bit more development on the run. So um, yeah, but how's the different athletes? Yen Wild are similar on the swim. Wild's probably a bit stronger on the bike. Hauser is much more complete. He's uh, awesome on the swim, um, solid on the bike, and and uh, and yeah, not quite as good on the run, but not not far off them. So should be a good little duel. Now, John, we're waiting for a text from our interview. no, no, we, we're going for it.
0: Oh, we're going right yeah, now. We're going now. Okay, here we go. Here we go. we're going to pause. We're back in a second. Radio, we are back, and uh, we're going to put that interview on in a few seconds. But before we do, let's look at this week's discussion. So this is from before when John went away, and the question was, what is the best non Ironman or Challenge-branded long-distance race that you have done or that you would love to do? And we got a lot of feedback on this one. John Bo, so let's start it off.
1: Uh, Jane Hampson says the Himalayan Triathlon. That would be a cool one to do. It's one of those sort of X triathlons. You don't go to the top of Mount Everest or anything like that, but uh, you can go check that out at Try. Uh, Tri. Um, that would be pretty cool to go and do.
0: Richard Swan's got the South Island International Half Ironman at Lake Hood.
1: Did they still run that? No, no, it's been. We did that, didn't years. we? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. My lasting memory of that event, it was, it was, he's taking the piss because it was a yeah. boring <laughs> as batshit bike course, and uh, <laughs> uh, it was a small race. It was a small race, but I remember pulling up to it one time. And just sitting in the car, and it was like hailing, and basically, and then they called the race off. And I, I think it was the only
0: time I raced. I bet you, wasn't it? One you the you only did, time? Huh? yeah time!
1: Yeah. 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 We both had, the young guy from down south took us both out. Eddie Eddie Smith smoked us. Yeah. He caught me off the bike. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. the hell's going on here? God, he God. drilled us, so.
0: He did too. James Thomas has got the great white north. Sounds like a pretty cool one. Also, the outlaw
1: so that's in um, the Great North is up in Canada um, it's a half distance race uh, Jonathan Mercer says the a Tri-X in the Lake District in England beautiful course over the most challenging route with a friendly laid back organisation team so that's triathlonx.co.uk again that's one of those sort of um, I think it's one of those Extreme self supported ones, ones.
0: Okay. Uh, Rob dalymore has got he did the Leadman Epic 250 which is a 5k five, five swim a 223k bike and then a 22k run in Bend, Oregon was awesome. He also says he'd love to do Wildflower, Alcatraz, and Alptuiz.
1: Nice. Uh, so that yeah, that race was around for for a few. Was years. Was it a part of the Led, run, Ledman? Uh No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, Richie Bath said he agrees with Zippy Hugh. Where's Zippy Hugh's one? That's a great a Zippy. Uh, can't find Zippy's one, but he, I think he was talking about the a race that I did a few years ago, which was the St. J- St. James Mountain Man Triathlon. It was that one that I did up in, it was a mountain biking race out in the middle of nowhere. You swim in freezing cold water uh, and then you're biking on this track called the St. James Trail, which you can't uh, can't do at the moment. It got washed out one of the bridges uh, and then it's an off-road run and they had a, a medium distance and a long distance race. Um, I would put that on a must-do. Um, it was an interesting experience. I did it twice because I cocked it up the first time. Um, but it was, a, it was a different race. Lee Cartmell has got Silverman Triathlon just outside of Las
0: Vegas. Now, back in the day, when we first started the show, were, we, they, we used to give that lots of love. Does it still exist?
1: No, it definitely doesn't. Uh, and that was... Because remember
0: the year they tried to do the fastest triathlon? With the, and they had the, the like an Olympic swimmer, Olympic cyclist... An Olympic marathon, maybe not, but of that level. A good, good, level. and the marathon had to do like a 240
1: marathon to beat the record, didn't they? And they yeah. they blew up and did
0: like a three hour 10 or something,
1: yeah. It absolutely detonated. And I th- from memory, they might have got it, might have got beaten by a bunch of triathletes or something yeah. like that. And <laughs> it was quite a big bonus money for beating the record, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I reckon the time was not that fast when you look at how fast, uh, you know, Magnus Ditlev did. Uh, did recently, yeah, I don't think it was that much. No, far. I don't think I, it was. No, maybe it was. It wasn't s- sub seven. No, no, no. Uh, Max Fowler, I've only ever done one full distance race, in uh, two middle distance. All with the Outlaw Triathlon. They're absolutely fantastic, brilliant organisation, great people. So the Outlaw ones are in the UK, and they do have a very good reputation.
0: Brian Ashby, um, he's got Iron Maldi. Uh He did that in December '22. Uh, for those who don't know, we have talked it about it a bit on this show, but it's a it's a race that's really more about participation mm-hmm. and about getting people into movement. And because uh, the Moldy population in New Zealand has its kind of health issues, and uh, so it's but it's it's kind of the best of what triathlon can be, because it's about Everyday people, and they've got lots of different races, lots of different ways you can put the race together and about participation. But they do have a long course event within it. And uh, Brian said it's his favorite. And John Ellis loved it, Grant Boyd loved it, Nick Hankinson also loved it as well. So just I'm and that's race.
1: probably more not the course, it's just the vibe, the event, eh? mm. Yeah, mm. uh, Tamara Spargo says Sufferfest in Wamar in Australia. There's some really fantastic names of places Wanabaloo in victoria australia she did it in 2013 uh, it was a 2k swim 80k bike 20k distance tough course but such a great race wish it was still going
0: good old christine the grinder mckinley has got up to wear's long course longer than a half not as long as an iron the bike is uh due to the ascent but uh, fabulous aid stations amazing course clean lake swim don't forget the old French
1: rule about number of pins on your race number. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have three pins. So that's a tip. You ever go to a race in France. Why, why three? Don't know. Just three pins. And are be... they anal about it? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. And we went to a race once and we didn't have any pins. We were on an epic camp and we were just scrounging around trying to find enough <laughs> pins for everybody. A very particular about it. It's a bit like in Germany and Rote. You're not allowed to wear your bib number underneath your wetsuit so you're thinking i'll just wear it under there then i get straight on the bike it's got to be in your bag and t1 i can't see the rationale behind it i'm sure there's a reason what was Uh, it you've got to wear your bib number you can't have it on underneath your wetsuit oh so you actually stop and put it on yeah which is fairly normal but i don't see why three pins no you don't have to have three pins you just can't have it underneath your wetsuit okay weird uh Mike Parrott also says he's signed up for Alpe and looking forward to that this year. Uh, Steve Brooks says Beach to Battleship. Now that race, I believe, doesn't exist as being called the Beach to Battleship because Ironman um, took it over, so I think it still exists. But it, it used to be, and this may have changed now, it was a sort of a point-to-point, point, you know, mm. na- aptly named Beach to Battleship. I think it was in some area where there was a, a military ship that you maybe finished or went past. Good old Brent Woo-yah! Chan has got a wildflower for sure. Although a bit of
0: the glory after the glory days still had the naked aid station,
1: and I think that's one of the things. A lot of these iconic races have sort of <laughs> lost, they lost this, their this start, There they? didn't used to be that many races, yeah. so. You, if you had a race with a bit of a twist, it, was, it sort of became iconic. And Wildflower was certainly one of those. But I think all those lakes are drying up. I remember for years they, uh, they struggled to have enough water on oh, really? their, their lakes in, in California. Wow. Um, Kenny Carraway attempted the Trans Am bike race in 2017. An ultra-distance self-supported race. Uh, so it's more of a bike race.
0: Uh, good old Will Newbury's got uh, the Forest man, although it's no longer a, a race. But it was a great race.
1: The Lakes Man, which we talk about, that's up in Keswick in sort of uh, northern England, says Joe Adams.
0: Uh, I'll go Neil Baxter. He's got the longest day in the coast to coast, and you don't even need to swim, but uh-huh. definitely an iconic event. Yeah, if you, if you if you can do a kayaker,
1: if you can do some kayaking, mm-hmm. um, it's by far one of the spe- most special races in the world. Andy Fordham says the Ocean Lava in Montenegro. Haven't heard of that one before, um, but I'm sure that's a beautiful part of the world. Good old uh, Robert
0: Hughes got the Norseman. Incredible race in an incredible location. Support from the Norseman crew is special and they're really family-like. It's a special race indeed.
1: Uh, and then I've got Jez Roberts, says the Ironborn in the UK. A sea swim off the pier. Great bike ride. You palms have got so many bloody great races. Uh, and, but one thing I did notice in the news earlier this week was... Um, yeah, some of the, the the Ironman races in the UK have been ditched. So they're, they're stopping Ironman Bolton and just turning that into a 70.3. And they've uh, oh, really? cancelled a couple of other events. So, so it's obviously numbers-wise. Maybe you, you would assume so. The Sport is so popular in the UK. There's so is many it still? Events. Oh, massive. Okay. Uh, so you're, that's normally the assumption you'd make. But sometimes it's other factors in terms of um, not being able to keep using the venue. And... Um, yeah, but there's a lot of choice in the UK.
0: Dean Goff's got one here, and I'll make this my last one because there's quite a few answers here, but uh, most fun was the Tour try fundraiser that was on the Sunshine Coast in the Queensland in 209, 210, 211. It was a 24-hour event, 300-meter zigzag swim pool, pool swim, 10K bike and 3K run, though at another K with all the transitions. Run was from the pool to, for example... Uh, could do as much or as little as you wanted. Sleep, we would camped on the site, or you could just keep going over and over non-stop. Eating pizza and cake on the run. I watched one participant eat a spag bowl on her bike. <laughs> it's probably not good for health and safety. Uh, limited lollies in transition. And the second year, some cops that were manning one of the roads, cl- uh, closed of the road, closed road, gave me... Uh, the two I was running with some spear beers on the last run leg. It was so much fun and camaraderie and we ended up running raising all that for only $125.
1: Last one I'll do, Karen Myers says, a strong man in Japan on an island that I can't pronounce. It's a Japanese Kona and it's every Japanese triathlete's goal to race there at least once. Uh, and a few people said that's their favourite race. A few people said rope right, but we did the specify not challenge. Um... And yeah, lots of people are saying outlaw. Yeah, so, Out- outlook your lots oh, of love. Israel Man, we've got one there as well, Vicky Nealon. Um yeah, that's about it. What so huge I never really
0: did a huge amount of long course races outside of the Ironman brand.
1: Yeah, I haven't done any I oh know I've done one long course Ironman. outside of the Iron Man brand and that was the Astro Man in Japan. Uh doing races in Japan is pretty cool. They go pretty nuts about it. Yeah. Uh, Logistically, so I imagine they're quite hard to get to. The only I've raced in Japan maybe three or four times, and it's always been a case of you fly in, somebody picks you up at the airport, and then you're just taken care of the whole oh, way really? through. Logistically, I don't know how easy it would be um, for a foreigner to go to do these races. I'm sure it's not that difficult, but they're often in fairly far-flung places. You know, they're not in, in the big cities. Uh, so racing in Japan was was always cool. Um, what about your, water, your what-ifs? Most of my ones that I would want to do are probably branded races. The one exception to that that I'd love to do is the Ombreman in France. So that's uh, it's sort of like an Alp dhuez type race. Um, you basically swim... Uh, and this beautiful big lake although Cameron Brown was saying to me that when he was over there last year the bloody lake was just about dried up it was a massive lake and I was like wowzers wow. um, good old climate change um, and then the bike you go over the cold, de Zouard and a couple of other coals. so just a Epic bike ride, and um, the run is not a mountainous run but it's up and down. It's been around for a long time. They have a good pro race, it's a huge event. Been there for the Olympic distance before, so ombra Man is one that I'd love to do. Um, so that's the main non challenge one. And the one other one I was thinking, what non sort of branded other races have I done? Uh, it's a long time ago, but the Laguna phuket Triathlon when I did it, which was 19- 1990. I did Peter yeah. we got there. yeah I did uh, <laughs> 99 that was uh, that was a really cool event uh, it's still going um, whether it's still uh, you know um, bucket list event I don't know but it was back then what was cool about it, A you have a swim which you swim in the sea and then you go into a lagoon which is kind of unique the bike course was really cool, it had lots of uh, really steep little hills in it and you're just going through all these little villages but then on the run, you're basically in this massive resort area um, and you basically ran into the foyer of each of the different resorts oh, really? and, and sort of turned around. run through the foyer? Yeah, well, like, it's open air so you, some of them you actually ran in and like, you'd turn around in front of reception and sort of <laughs> come wow. out again. Uh, so that was a cool race and I, one I would love to go back into. It's normally what is in the end of November each year.
0: I uh, might would be Norseman. I, I, you know, like, I always loved those kind of challenges, and, and and training at least. I never really did it in racing. And if I were to go back to myself as a peak athlete, that kind of race would have suited me because I was definitely a strength athlete. Uh, that would be one. And, and oh, there's so many races. One thing that was interesting, I was speaking to a girl in the gym yesterday who does a lot of ultra running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's doing... Now, this is nothing to do with Ultra, but she's doing the Disney marathons. Mm. And so what they do is they do you do Five. a 5K one day, 10K, mm-hmm. half, then full. Four days in a row. And so some people can choose to do all four. She's going to do all four. But the entry for her and her partner to do it is $5,000. Jesus. Now, but that might be New Zealand dollars. And so that
1: might be a package including accommodation. No, in I works. don't think it is. So that's the entry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's your entry. Mm. And, and she
0: says are thousand like it's, Sold out kind of thing. Like, it's oh, absolutely shocking. 5000 bucks to just run around Disneyland. It seems a bit odd. Yeah. But yeah. so that's to do the whole four. But mm. I said, well, do you get anything special? She said, well, you get really nice medals. Like, mm. So you should. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. And they probably charge you to go in the park afterwards. Yeah. Okay, this week's discussion is, firstly, would you enter a smaller iron distance race, say less than 300 if it was priced a lot cheaper than a branded event? If you have done a smaller event, what were the worse is better worse about them on the day?
1: But long-winded, I know, but it sort of came because we had that, that race that I mentioned earlier on in the UK that had a draft league a bike league, and when I looked at it, it looked like they had a really small entry list It's on this weekend. Um, so i just wondering, would people do smaller races, and if you've done one, what was good about it and bad?
0: Okay, you got a quiz question. John! Oh, it's quiz, quiz question. Christian.
1: What's happening? Uh, I'm going to have to do some research to find out the answer to this. Uh, how much elevation does the Nice World Championships course have and how does that compare to Kona? So you've got to be watching things on the news.
0: Okay, let's go to our interview, Jonbo. Now we've got an interview coming up. It's Sean Conway. He is trying to be eyeing Cowboy's most i'm in back-to-back consecutive days he's currently on day 92 so on the day we record this uh, just a couple of things the interview does cut out for a moment it goes away for about 10 seconds i'll come back in uh do you want to talk before or after we'll talk after okay so here is sean right now
2: good stuff
1: Righty ho, team. As you heard in the intro earlier on, um, we've got a guy on today called Sean Conway. uh, Got quite the list of achievements, uh, and his quote on his website: "It's always worth it in the end." And he's trying to uh, do 102 Ironmans on consecutive days. I'm going to find out a bit more about that in a moment. But he's done all sorts of things. He's uh, gone around Wales in a triathlon. He's run across Iceland. uh, lots of cool challenges, I, I really like one of them, the 496 challenge, so if you start on January, you, uh, January the 1st, you run 1k, and then on the 2nd you run 2ks, on the 3rd you run 3ks, and That's totals cool. up in that month of January, you'd run 496 kilometres, which is uh, a cool little challenge, so we're, we're talking to Sean as he's going through one of his, race, his races, he's uh, got 7ks to go, I think, um, so welcome along to the show, Sean. No
2: hello hello good uh, well evening for me i don't know whatever oh. time it is for you guys <laughs> early uh... morning yeah <laughs> early morning sorry sorry did i get you up early <laughs> yes yeah,
1: <no, no>, no. <laughs> yeah, so um you're doing this crazy challenge you're trying to do 102 consecutive iron distance races um what number are you up to and why the hell are you doing this crazy challenge
2: <laughs> um i'm on day 92 <laughs> now so actually um I've only got a decade to go, which is unbelievable. Because when I think back to day one, it feels like two years ago. You know, I started on the I started on the tenth of April, and the weather here in Wales was just horrendous. Honestly, like the wind and the rain, um, and you know the injuries at the beginning during the adjustment period were just you know crippling and. I nearly didn't make the seventeen-hour cutoff on day two and three, so oh, gosh. <laughs> it was all quite, quite stressful. And um, but yeah, why why am I doing it? Um, well, I just I just need something to chase in life. To be honest, <laughs> and this seemed like quite a good one to chase. And James Lawrence set quite a high bar a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I had the world record for the world's longest triathlon at one point. I'm also the only person to have done a triathlon of Great Britain, sort of a north to south type thing. Um, So this sort of just seemed like the next step for me. And uh, yeah, so I actually thought of it in 2018 when James did his 50-50-50. I thought back then, oh, I wonder if I could do 100. And then life got in the way and kids and COVID and all that. And yeah, so I thought I'd revisit it now. Yeah, you, you have now, um, day ninety-two. <laughs> you, you
1: you did make an attempt, um, I can't remember what I saw somewhere a little while ago and I think did you get knocked off your bike or t- just talk us through that?
2: Yeah, so actually I attempted this last year and um on day five, oh, it was such a stupid little fall. I was going up a slow hill, thought, well, let me just grab a packet of crisps out of my back pocket, <laughs> hit a pothole, and then um with one hand sort of try to over over overcorrect to pop out the pothole and just overcorrected and went straight into a bush. (laughs) And um, went went over the handlebars, the hoods bent in, I hit the deck, but the thing that happened is my left foot stayed clipped in. So it sort of Mm -hmm. twisted my ankle a bit. So it, it wasn't that bad. So I was able to continue on day five. Woke up on day six and thought, oh, this is okay. But then the run on day six was horrendous. Um, And I sort of, I knew what was coming. I mean, it came fast. The pacey acute tendon tear on the top of my foot. The one that sort of, if you lift your foot up, it's that one. Yeah. And then day seven, I woke up and again, it felt all right. And the swim was okay. And the bike was okay. But then the run on day seven was just, took me nine hours, I think. Yeah. and, uh, yeah, I just, I didn't even, I, I mean, I made the cutoff, right. By... Well, there's two cutoffs in this. There's the official cut, which is midnight to midnight. So that's the official rule for this. But because James Lawrence and the internet sort of require or demand the 17-hour, which is what most Ironmans are, um, yeah. that's sort of the one that you you sort of got to do, because actually this is not sustainable yeah. any slower than 15 hours, I would say. Um, so yeah, that that sort of was a bit of a dent to the old ego. And also it was the end of the season last year. So I had a quite a late start due to logistics and and various things and crew and all that. So I couldn't heal and re-attempt last year. So I have to go back to the drawing board, but which was good, though, because... I basically had another forty, forty-three 43 week training plan. Mm-hmm. So, and I love training, you know, I, I love on, on training peaks, getting that little blue tick, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it really, <laughs> I get the dopamine hits on that. So my goal is to get the the complete green pie chart at the end of each week from my training plan. And, uh, and, and yeah, so I just trained for another 43 weeks basically till, this attempt starting on the 10th of uh, April. So, so,
0: first question is What's the hardest part? You know, you, you're getting close to the end, so you have got kind of just over 10 to go. So, um, well, you know, it's a, I, I imagine there's a rhythm to it, but what's the hardest part of this journey?
2: Um, <laughs> there's two things that I'm finding really hard one is the eating, just 8,000 calories a day or nine. Me two days now, honestly. It's just, oh, it's relentless. So the the only thing that's keeping me going is full fat cream. <laughs> it's in 700, 750 mils of full fat cream. Really? It's 3,500 3, calories. So you can just, I mean, it's probably not giving me the best energy, but it's stopping me from losing too much weight. And uh, I've lost a kg a month mm. pretty evenly. So I was 70 kgs at the beginning. I'm 67 now, basically. Which is not too bad. Yeah. I'm quite a small guy, um, and the lightweight means that I'm surviving the run pretty much injury free. I've got niggles and tightness and glutes that aren't bloody firing as always. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so the eating's hard, and the other one, and this is the big one, I think, is is you can't have an off day. You know, on all the other records I've done, like when I cycled around the world or when I swam the length of Britain. You know, if you get a little niggle or the weather's bad or you're just feeling a bit crap, you know, you can have a shorter day or you can have a rest day and just hope that your average still keeps you within sight of the record. Whereas this one, it's basically 102 stage races and you've got to get to the end of that stage every day, you know, no matter what, good day or bad day. You can't sort of, you know do 20 miles of the run now and then do the rest tomorrow mm. you know you've got to do you've got to do it every single day so it's pretty it's pretty relentless um so yeah those are the two hard things uh, <laughs> amongst all the others just the general pain especially the second half of the marathon which is what i'm at at the moment is always pretty slow and painful yeah so how, but i knew you- that i don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hopefully,
1: we're distracting you a bit from that, which is uh, hopefully we're doing a little bit to to help. Um, how how long's it sort of taking you each day? Are you sort of settling into a pretty decent average? And sort of talk us through how, how what a day looks like for you.
2: Yeah. So I've I've really settled into a, a pretty good routine, um, and actually someone actually told me today, my um. My my weekly average over the last four weeks has only fluctuated by about two hours for Mm. the whole week duration. So my days are pretty consistent. So I wake up at 4.29 (laughs) a.m. I walk, I get up I do a bit of stretches, um, mainly flossing, nerve flossing, just to get, get my nerves get quite tight when I sleep. Then I'm literally in the car, it's nine minutes to the pool. I walk into the pool in my pajamas, (laughs) Go straight to the straight to the toilet, um. Then get in the pool for five a.m. and uh, it's really important for me to get in at one minute to five. Just psychologically, I really feel like I've won the day. Mm. Like there's a couple of days where I get in at one minute past five, and I just I don't know I can't explain it, but it's just like oh damn it! (laughs) And I know it's it's only a minute, but you know you've got to. I, I quite enjoyed the hustle of it all you know so uh yeah so then i swim swim's pretty consistent usually between an hour 20 an hour 25 and uh yeah then i'm out the pool c1 10 15 minutes you know i really i'm not messing around with sort of any physio or anything or big meals i just want to get on the bike as soon as possible so I'm, I'm hopefully on a good day on the bike at 6.30, on a bad day, 6.40 really. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's, then it's yeah, the 180k on the bike. And now it's taking me about six and a half hours all in. I have three, three feed stations in that included. And I stopped for about 10 minutes at each of those feeds. It's at the same spot. I sort of do these big loops almost like a figure of eight. So I go north for a bit. So I, I actually pass the feed station six times, which is good in case something, you know, if I have a really bad mechanical or something, I'm not too far away from crew coming to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 6.30 on the bike, which gets me into around one o'clock to the run start. T2 usually a bit slower. I'm usually quite tired at the end of the bike. Um, the bike course itself isn't the best in the world. I think I have 89 junctions Mm -hmm. in 112 miles. So it's, there's a lot of sort of slowing down and speeding up, which can, can take it out me on muscularly, you know, when I'm powering out, even though if it's two or three seconds hitting 300 Watts, you know, if I'm doing that over and over again, Mm. it sort of really, really fatigues my legs. Um so yeah, so t is usually a bit slower. I try and get a bit of food in me, get the run shoes on, and then start the run. And then the run is two two laps. First lap is twenty-three and a half K, um, which I do, and then I have Phil, uh, my sort of run crew guy following me on a bicycle. And he's also me, he, you know, has we have some some um, three bottles with Carb powder in and some water and some electrolytes. And then I eat bananas and crisps and whatever I fancy, um, get back to the gym after the first lap, go to the loo again. And then the second, lap's 18 and a half K, which is basically the same as the first lap with a slightly shorter cut through. And then the goal is to finish by seven in the evening. You know, that's sort of what I aim for on a good day. It'll be six forty, 640, six forty-five, on a bad day like today. Unfortunately, it'll be seven thirty. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was pouring with rain today, so there's so many potholes on the route when the road's covered in water. We all, you know, I worked pretty slow. So yeah, um, yeah and then it's twenty-five minute drive from the end of the run back home, which is a bit annoying. But I live in the mountains, so I had to. Do the rundown in the flat area. Um, get home, have a meal, have a shower, uh, then have a hot bath, a really hot bath. Do a bit of stretching, bit of rough and tumble with the kids. <laughs> um, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so you can imagine uh, what that's like. And then straight to bed for eight eight thirty. In bed at eight thirty. So nice. I'm getting, you know, the the goal is to get my eight hours sleep, which again. You know, if anyone else wants to break my record and I'll, I'd love to help someone do that. Um, I think an eight hour sleep is a, is a non-negotiable really And yeah. around day 30, cause I was getting physio every day, um, but I was losing my sleep time. So around day 30, I actually dropped the physio to once a week and I, oh, it was a huge improvement. Yeah, right. Just that extra sleep was way more beneficial than the physio. So. Mm. uh at the time there's been times where i've needed it more between yeah. from day 30 to now but for the most part just i need sleep you know yeah so um, yeah that's that's pretty much my day
1: <laughs> i know we're going we're gonna to leave you to to get back to it in a moment but just is there is there, and, and i think what we'll try to do is have a good catch up with you once you actually completed the mission fingers crossed that's going to happen in yeah. about 10 days time but is there much enjoyment yeah. for you there like you know it sounds bloody hard but is there is there much <laughs> enjoyment?
2: Um, what surprised me the most on this is the community spirit that's sort of happened around this. Really, um, all the riders that come and join me, all the runners that come and join me. You know, they've created their own WhatsApp groups, and there's a lot of banter there. And I have a bit of leopard print on the top of my cycle jersey just for a bit of fun. So this week, all the boys came out with leopard print socks to match and, <laughs> <laughs> nice. you know, so uh, yeah, that's been the, the best part of it, really. I've only moved to North Wales just before COVID, so I actually sort of didn't know anyone out here. So, uh, in, you know, in the last three months, I've made friends for life, absolutely. So it's, um, that's been the best part, but the actual doing a full distance every single day yeah, that's, there's no fun. You know, I'm a pretty smiley, happy guy generally. So, you know, in pictures, I, I like to laugh a lot and it has to be fun. I have to, I have to make it fun. You know, if I could have made the bike horse look like a, a penis, I probably would have, you know, that, <laughs> that's, you know, it, it's gotta, it's gotta be not too serious. Um, because I, I, that's just not my character, you know. My my character is not sort of screaming pain and like all misery. I still, you know, am quite a laid back, smiley guy, and I and and that, that kind of keeps me going, I guess. Because if you smile externally, you know, there's biological things that happen to make you actually feel better. Yeah. But uh, you know. <laughs> I, I, the, when day 102 comes when it comes to an end of that I think there will be quite some relief I think <laughs>
0: just, just, just one thing Um, you, you you, obviously love a crazy challenge, where does this sit on all the crazy challenges you've done like if you were to rank them and I know that represent yeah. different things but where does this sit
2: this is definitely the hardest You know, it's the hardest because of the fact you've got no off days you know, yeah. on everything else I've done there's been you know, days where I could have a slightly rest day and recover. Um, so yeah, this is definitely hardest, but it's not the most miserable I've been because for two things. One is I'm sleeping in a bed every night, which I've never done. You know, like on all my bike rides, I'm sleeping in drain pipes and you know just in bushes and you know old toilet blocks and whatever. Uh, and when I swam the length of Britain, I was just cold. Constantly, you know, that was 135 days of just getting in, you know, 11, 12, 13 degree water, freezing cold, sleeping in a tiny damp boat. So that was miserable. So, yeah, this is definitely the hardest thing I've done. But because I get to sleep in the bed and I get to see my kids at night, it sort of makes it slightly less miserable than mm-hmm. it probably could have been. And, um, and that was important for me because there was chat, you know, Caroline and I sat down before and said, well, you know, there's actually, I could have probably rented a little apartment that would have suited the areas better for the commute. Cause I'm spending 40 minutes in a car mm-hmm. each day, pretty yeah. much, or, or 35, 35 minutes in a car each day, which I could be sleeping really. Um, and especially had my times been slower, so let's say I was scraping through on a a 16-hour day. That 35 minutes would have been the the, the sort of the tipping point on getting the eight-hour sleep. So, mm. you know, we did chats of heavy me being outside the family unit, but actually it's been good. Mm. The kids have loved it. I do little videos for my son's school, and they show him at assembly. And so actually it's – uh. Yeah coming home each night is a nice thing to really look forward to you know
1: awesome we we're going to tell everybody about some of the other things you've done and also about the um the the fundraising you're trying to do for for True Venture Fund and um yeah I think we'll let you get back to it and uh we'll get you on once you've done and dusted it and we can go through some of these other things as well so how how far have you got to go now for the rest of today
2: <laughs> um oh man math <laughs> um, <laughs> so spending, my, spending, spending my life doing sort of calculations on what my potential finish time is going to be. Uh, I, I'm on 38.4. So uh, what's four,
1: that? Just 3.8 k to go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's, that's sensational. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. Anyway, yeah. We'll let you get back to it, and we'll catch up with you once you're once you're done and dusted. But really appreciate it. Yeah.
2: No, I'd love to come on and do a do a proper chinwag with you guys. Yeah, would like right, to. So hey. thanks so much, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up soon. And sorry if I got you up early, but uh, yeah, you can no, go back to no, bed. I guess. It. Yeah, Enjoy the rest of your day. See ya. Cheers, guys. Thanks.
0: Crazy stuff, John.
1: It is crazy stuff, and we we didn't want to keep Sean too long and as, as we alluded to we'll catch up with him when he's really done and dusted and go a bit de- deeper into how it all sort of finished up but I thought it would be quite cool to catch him before he is done because I, things change when you finish a race you'll look back and yeah. you probably look back oh yeah that was pretty cool that was pretty cool and we caught him in that moment where he was having a bit of a shittier day and uh and it's just must be a grind. I can't imagine what it would be like, but just a daily grind of making it happen. He is doing it for a good cause, and we can talk about this again once he's done. But it would be cool for people to support him. Um, it's called True Venture Foundation to um, so help children to try sport, love sport, and stay in sport. So he's got a bunch of different initiatives that you can support him there. You can buy like his uh, daily bib number. Oh, we didn't yeah. ask about the Teru. I oh, know. I was going. To, I wanted to, but I thought I'd run out of time. He's you can got pay forty-five thousand pounds and he'll tell you your name
0: on his butt.
1: Yeah, that would be quite cool if you've got all the listeners to chip in yeah. 10 bucks and we get I Am Talk on his yeah. ass. <laughs> um, so he's got a bunch of things. Buy a swim cap, you can buy a, uh, a, a bib, bib number or you can just support the cause that he's doing and now would be a great time to do it when he's sort of nearing the end to just give him that little bit of uh, support to, to get him across the line. Um, so it's great that he's doing it for a cool cause. Yeah. Uh, and good luck to him he's only got a few days to go finish line will be in sight so one thing you need to know about sean
0: is he loves a challenge and and one thing he's it's obviously his career is just doing these challenges he probably does some speaking and motivational stuff on the side but um so we look at the list of challenges he's achieved so he's around wales triathlon um he did running across iceland he did national parks marathons there was 15 national parks in the uk uh, he did the challenge John was talking about. So in a month you add a K each day, so you end up running four four hundred would you do that? Uh it sounds like a cool challenge. Yeah, yeah I and like, it's like it's that.
1: It's probably doable, isn't it? Yeah. It's probably only the last week where you really gotta be challenged. Yeah, you got to be running sort of twenty to thirty Ks a day. Yeah. yeah it's not insurmountable. Yeah. It's still hard. Yeah, I like that one. Uh he e-bikes, he's got what's the e-bike one? E-bike packing.
0: Uh Conway, two hundred and ninety eighty mile run in the London Marathon and Scouts outfit, cycled across Europe, world record. He did a 4,200-mile triathlon. He sailed around, he's got the world record for sailing around Britain. He's run Britain. He's quite the Thames. He walked from London for less than a train ticket. I'm not quite sure what that is about. Bike from London to Paris in 24 hours. So just lots of these uh, swam around Britain.
1: Mm-hmm. That's why he grew, grew a beard because uh, to stop the jellyfish getting onto his face. Oh, really? Yeah. Can when Jaru is a penguin? <laughs> He's done.
0: He did the cheese rolling. We should have asked him there yeah, if we interview him.
1: Oh yeah, would the cheese rolling. You know that cheese rolling thing. Yeah, it's mental. So if you a lot of you guys may have seen it, may not, but it's in uh, somewhere in the UK they throw a big roll of cheese down a hill and then everyone just races after it and you horrific injuries like it's, it's a really steep grassy gradient and you're racing full steam down there and people just are like just about losing limbs uh, massive leg breaks and uh, shoulder breaks and all this sort of stuff <laughs> it's crazy Craziness.
0: He's got. I he still suffer from the injuries that I had in that day. Yeah. It was. He goes, It was totally worth it, though. Certainly worth the most exciting thirty seconds of my
1: life. Yeah, mental. So you guys can check it out, seanconway.com <laughs> People, Humans are idiots. Yeah. And go and support him and what he's doing because it's pretty mental.
0: Try get him on Because I'm away. Maybe try get him on when I'm away. I can I'm look into that. Because 10 days from now, he'll be free. Mm-hmm. You know, because it'd be cool to get him quite close to post. Because mm-hmm. there'd be some really deeper questions we could look into. Okay, coaches! Mm. Corner. corner! Okay, well, so we're going to do the post-post-post race.
1: Yeah, because when we discuss, when we caught up after the race, I think it had been like 12 hours or something since I'd, since I'd finished it, so I can't actually remember how detailed I went into it. And at that stage, I hadn't looked at any of my files. It was just sort of off the, the seat of my pants stuff. And, uh, I just sort of be good to go through the review that I'd go through in my head and on paper with myself and what I'd often do with athletes as well so um, yes yeah, so we're sort of going to go through the things that I think you should be doing as well uh, after you've had a race whether it's good bad or ugly um, and you know just sort of judging what went well what didn't go well so first thing you should be obviously asking yourself is whether you got the the pacing right across the board you know hopefully you guys have listened enough that you should have had a, a plan when you're going out there you know across uh, the swim bike and run paces, heart rates, power numbers, um, speed, you're going to be going on the the run. And a lot of people have been asking, oh, how was your race, John? And and, and so for me, the swim, um, you've got to look at what your heart rate is uh, when you come out of the swim and when you're in T1. Um, and for me, that was, that was pretty under control. A lot of people, and I see this so consistently, is they just swim too hard. They think they're swimming easy enough, swim too hard, into t1 heart rates really high and that pretty much becomes a theme of the day they just swum far too hard push first transition when you get all excited and just cannot get their heart rate down for for a variety of reasons and a lot of that is often stubbornness Um, and on a flat course it's really hard to do that on a course like Rote you can sort of do a bit of freewheeling on some of the descents to try to get it down but I urge people if this has been a problem for you you just have to swim easier and you've just got to take T1 easier so you're starting that bike ride uh, in a place where your heart rate might be five maybe Maybe up to ten beats above where you want it to be for the for the bike ride, but that would be a maximum. Ideally, you'll be getting onto that bike and the heart rate is pretty much um, where it should be. And for me, um, the swim was was pretty good. You know, I I think I talked about it post race. Had to do a bit of surging to get on to get on some feet, but I kind of thought best case scenario I'd be out in fifty two ish minutes. Um, maybe maybe a bit quicker if it was a bit of luck. Worst case it was sort of you know fifty four ish, and I think it was. High 53, something like that. So it was pretty much on the money. Heart rate was in a good place and hadn't exerted too much energy. Um, when you're looking at your pacing on the bike, uh, it's normally the key to your race and, and whether or not you've left yourself enough juice in the tank for for the run. Um, and I'd urge people, you don't want to be looking at your overall stats for the whole bike ride because often it's been a bit of a journey, a bit up and down. Um, as it's sort of a minimum, I'd break it into quarters. So if you've got training peaks, you kind of need a, a premium a um, version to sort of break that down uh, other platforms might be slightly different but at least looking you know breaking it into quarters and looking at what your average heart rate was what your power was doing what sort of spikes you, you might have had in there and, and whether there was much sort of degradation as you go through the ride on the power side of it and what's sort of happening to, to your heart rate. Um, a few of the questions I had to ask myself is is definitely some spikes when you're in rote um, in, in terms of power you've got quite a few hills to get up and quite a few areas that your power's gonna go up quite a bit because of the crowds, and so what's acceptable? I looked at my little section going up the Solerberg uh, climb, which is the, the one where it's just mental crowds, and I really tried to contain things, but I was still above 300 watts um, going up there for, for a couple of minutes. But that's not mental. like That's around about my FTP. Um, some people would be significantly above that. But it is an extremely hard place to control. So you've done it, yeah. Well, I, well, when I did
0: it, I remember Armando, mm-hmm. uh, Armando, Joe Joe Lawn's husband, he'd done it before. And we're riding up towards it together. His, his, He's like Spanish Yeah, Bevan well, uh, Make sure you control yourself When you go around the corner oh, made I'll be right <laughs> Boom I took off man it's, I got to the end I wasn't even I was like I was <laughs> Next heart rate Yeah It's, it's really It's just so
1: cool It's very very difficult To control yourself yeah. But I, I was okay with that um, And but I think the other thing people need to factor in, especially if you're at the pointy end of the field these days, is making sure that you train for for some spikes and effort like that and also the variability you'll get when there's going to be some drafting out there or you know, legal pace riding, um, because I know this is probably one of the first times I've really had that in, a, in an iron distance race, is there was that variability, especially sort of in in patches where it was significantly easier and then a little bit too hard in in places so some you know in training you'll often go out there and just stick to a certain power output for five hours and and be nice and consistent but make sure you're training for for those spikes so when i look through my bike ride file um, uh, you know it was i was well within my heart rate i was uh, aiming to not exceed 135 beats per minute and that's what i did last time um my average heart rate across the whole ride was 130 um it was so just,
0: what's it, what zone zones that for you
1: um it was zone 2 you know it's yep. just, it's just p- pretty aerobic yeah. um and so, so that was it was pretty much on the money in the first lap i think i was on my limit sort of at about 135 power wise um, yeah it was it was more variable than I perhaps would have expected it was a little bit harder in places but not you know I was sort of aiming for about 235 watts and I sort of highlighted one section I think I was like 239 but my heart rate was you know 130 beats so I was it was feeling relatively comfortable um, so yeah sort of tick the boxes in terms of pacing on the run for me um, I pretty quickly realized that because of the conditions on the day, I wasn't going to be running three hours, and and the way that I felt coming off the bike wasn't going to be running three hours, so just adjusted a little bit, and uh, the run pace for me was, I was on track for the first half, I think I went through the first half in one hour 34, so I was probably two or three minutes slower than what I wanted to be, but I was starting to feel a bit rough, and the second half uh, started to get progressively ugly. We'll say that whilst there was a bit of walking out there, held it together as best that I could I don't think I could have done much of a better job um on the run in terms of holding it together even though it slowed down a bit and I did pack a few sads (laughs) uh I didn't have really long periods of of walking um when I actually looked at my heart rate I was actually kept the effort you know reasonable through the second half it was just uh Ten minutes slower than what I would have liked it to be, but um, yeah, the bike is the key. Make sure you go and look at that in a bit of detail. Next question I asked myself is is around nutrition, um, and ha- yeah, you know, how you how you did with execution versus plan, and I was pretty reasonable. Um, I did st- stress slightly on the bike because Germans uh, they, they, they like their rules, and you see you've got to be really careful. I you was know, so I was really mindful around drafting, yep. and I was really mindful about littering, and I've heard of people getting penalties and you get disqualified littering oh, so wow. I was really mindful that make sure you're not dropping drink bottles and when you drop your drink bottles you're in the correct zone and you're not dropping any rubbish either intentionally or unintentionally and I had one section where I was I had a, a, bar, a bar and I always struggled to eat on in iron distance races in terms of eating solids but I really tried to get in one m's bar and I was eating away on it and I was just chewing it, you know when you get that ball of food in your mouth, and I was like, there's no way this is going down, and so I spat it out, and I was like, oh shit, I hope I don't get (laughs) busted for that, Uh, but I didn't. I was was spewing. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) so um, yeah, nutrition wise, I I probably didn't get in quite as much as what I'd hoped, I was was pitching pretty high, but certainly felt like I got in enough on the bike. The one area where um, i didn't do a very good job at all and I think this was a major contributor to my quad pain so the reason I slowed down on the run was not necessarily running out of energy or being completely cooked my quads completely detonated on me and this was probably something I didn't realize in the immediate aftermath after the race and hadn't thought it through was uh, hydration status was not good so I ended up getting a drip post-race, um, and I was severely dehydrated afterwards. And, you know, you, you'd basically tell that through your your um, colour of your urine and just how you're feeling. And so I was KO'd uh, and, yeah, just didn't drink enough. Um, it's pretty simple. I think I probably got through Why? five. Well, I think I probably got through five drink bottles on the bike at least, um, which is a reasonable amount. You know, I'm only out there four, four hours 47, I think it was. So um, basically one an hour. Yeah, um, so it's in the, it's getting in the right ballpark, but for me it just simply wasn't enough. And one of the challenges we face, and and this sort of comes down again another bullet point I've got is just the, the conditions and being acclimated for it. Yeah. So we're we're coming out, of, we come straight out of winter, and when you're doing winter training rides, yes, you're trying to be hydrated, but yep. you really just don't need that much. No. And so I think it, part of it was habitual; I just wasn't used to just slamming the fluids down. Um, and the second part of it was just not being acclimatised to to coming out of a winter and and going into a race it was it was pretty bloody toasty somebody a listener sent through a picture of me on the run um and he was outside the sort of pharmacy and it had a little uh you know temperature gauge on it and it had 36 degrees on it it was not 36 degrees but it was um it was getting up towards 30 and I think I just lost track a little bit of hydration and that was a major major contributor to my quads they weren't cramping they were just so sore like every step was incredibly painful um so hydration was a biggie for me and uh especially if you're coming out of a, a winter climate something that i really should have uh nailed a lot better so disappointed in myself bevan disappointed that it's something that was relatively easy to to fix
0: but at the time were you aware that you weren't doing it
1: uh not really no okay no so it's just a bit Um, absent-mindedness well there was two things didn't feel like i was thirsty and that's usually a sign that you're dehydrated but i was very conscious that i hadn't peed on the bike um and so you need to be peeing on the bike uh and that was one thing that i didn't do and i was like oh geez that's that's not necessarily a good sign um then the next thing i asked myself is execution on the day and this is more from a mental approach I did a pretty good job there, um, was in control, didn't really get sucked into other people's races with a couple of exceptions and that was on the, the, the first time up the Gritting climb, you have a long climb and the first time round I'd been solo basically to that and <clears throat> then got caught by a group, thought I'd better try to stay with this group and that was probably the one part of the race where I did let things go a little bit, but overall mental a- application was was pretty good through the day, conditions, um, yeah, found that really tricky, um, just because we're coming out of winter and and I typically don't race particularly well in the heat once you get past around that sort of six hour mark. Um, Preparation wise wouldn't have changed too much Um, in my preparation, the only thing I would have changed, and I think I probably mentioned this, and this was the other big contributing factor to me, you know, fading in the second half of the run was just not enough hard running and that was um, mainly due to a few little niggles and injuries, but also just not having any races in terms of preparation, so... Yeah, and had a, bit of, had a bit of luck on the day. I said I'd need a bit of luck if I wanted to go sub nine. You know, I had a group in the swim which I was able to draft off and not waste energy. Had some periods on the bike where I was able to sit in a, in a legal legal group. Um, and yeah, so I had, had that little bit of luck that I needed. So for me, bottom line was the reason why uh, it was a bunch of contributing factors to not performing as, as well as I wanted. One was hydration, Two was um, not getting enough hard running and racing, and yeah, three. There's just a few other little contributing factors. But just got to look back, not look for excuses, but look for explanations on why things didn't go didn't go quite to plan. But it still, like
0: in post race interview we did when you were over there, you didn't seem gutted. No, um, Like w- Hawaii, you were gutted. Yeah, it,
1: but I loved the journey of getting there. And for me, what was pleasing was I n- I come away from it going if i'd got those few things right i've still got the capacity to go sub nine hours okay, yep. and so i'm like sort of like i've still got it <laughs> you know in terms of i, I know i could do it yeah and just needed if the day had been cooler i think that would have helped massively um and so yeah a few contributing factors but i know that a couple of things gone my way could have been sub nine so that was that was pretty pleasing that i was able to get myself in that shape in a pretty short period of time you say that
0: do you have a desire within the next moment to do another omen?
1: Not right now. No, I don't. Don't have anything. Because realistically, much that
0: gap does get harder as time goes by. Definitely. So really, if you do want to try, head another sub nine, you've probably mm. got what two years?
1: Uh, sub nine at fifty. Uh, oh, okay. That will be yeah. that will be a challenge. And because what are you now? Forty seven. Forty seven. Yeah. So uh, don't think that's unrealistic. And uh, because a bit older. Yeah. Part of that. If I'd had a longer build up, like I literally only really started training in March for that, so it's a pretty short build up. If I did sort of like the, the 2014 approach where it was a much longer build up, choose a race which is hopefully not going to be quite as hot, a few little different things. A big contributing factor to being able to go quicker is, is the bike ride is so much faster now with uh, equipment gains and being set up well. So I biked worse than what I have done there previously, but was significantly faster um, Mainly just down to gear. just you know set up and the running shoes. So running shoes, I suppose well, they didn't help me much, <laughs> no, much at all. Um, so that's pretty much it for road. I've been rambling on about it for bloody months now with all the preparation stuff. It was a cool journey, cool event, um, and yeah, I just urge people—you have got to love the journey because the racing. For whatever reason, I had a guy listening to the show recently trained really, really well, building up for um challenge uh, for not challenge kins for Ironman kins. Got COVID, couldn't race and so um you've got to love the journey because um yeah i could have had bike issues could have broken yeah. something on the bike and then you'd yep. be shit. and if you just leave it all to the race you can come away pretty disappointed so. okay so what while
0: what, what you're talking about sub nine at 50
1: where would you race because uh, if
0: you're going to sub nine, you, you're picking, you're setting it all up so you got the best chance. Yeah. So you want a fast, fast course.
1: Yes, and I'd be looking for somewhere where it wasn't going to be as as hot. Uh, so maybe something like the uh, Israel Man, uh, and that that would not Israel Man um, Iron Man Israel. That would also fit, in. it's in April, so wouldn't be training so through end winter. Yep. So, yeah, so end end of, I'm using a season. Yeah, I'm a little bit over going from our winter to 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 hot races so it's a similar sort of experience when we go to Kona for Ironman and for the 70.3 it's bloody hot and it's just it's hard work training through winter and going and for for that so timing wise um, yeah something in around April would probably work work quite a bit better or otherwise maybe Ironman Western Australia which is um, well that's kind of coming out of winter yeah but you've got the tail end so you've got more daylight and a little bit warmer that's end of November start of December Mm, so those would probably be, or otherwise I'd have to go do a long stint of training in Europe or something like that.
0: Okay, just got one f- funny comment you heard that was Sam Laylaw was the only man to go sub eight with an over three hour marathon.
1: Which is kind of funky because yeah. uh, a good old Mr. Sausage Ollie Jenner uh, mentioned that to me and I thought that is really unique to be able to go sub eight with an over three hour marathon run because they swam and biked so fast, uh, first time it's ever happened. Pretty impressive. Mm.
0: Okay, let's go to winger,
1: winger of the
0: week. week. Uh, let's let's just go for number one. Number one? We haven't done a long. As, done. as long as it's swim bike run. I'm not yep. doing
1: number one if they're not swim no, bike you, run. No,
0: number one swim bike run. That's what we call yep. it. Number one swim bike run last week. Let's have a look here. I need to log in. So do I. I had the
1: same problems. I was like, Bevan, you better be logged in. No, then you've got in. to accept the bloody cookies. Uh,
0: bloody cookies. What I hate about websites is surely with today's technology you can remember I've accepted it in the past.
1: Yeah. Tim? No. He, no. he hasn't swim bike runs. We'll do no, first, Kevin first, Powell. Kevin Powell's first swim bike runner. 37 activities. He must have been starting the yes, stop watch a lot. Four hours,
0: 53, biked 15, 17, and then ran six hours, 39 minutes. Love
1: your work, Kevin. It's 26 hours and 49 minutes of total training. That's moving time. So people who aren't on Strava, that's moving time. So when you actually factor that in.
0: What do you mean? So if your bike's not moving,
1: and, and swim, going downhill. Yeah, like a swim, you might be in the pool for an hour. Oh, yeah. Um, But it'll only give you sort of 40 minutes or something of actual moving time. Um, Likewise, if you do stop or anything when you're out there, some people you know, in their training peaks, the clock will keep running. This is actual moving time. Kevin does a lot of training. Because when you look at his graph, he basically does around that much every week. Every week. Uh, So he is from Leicester in England. They've got a very good uh, rugby team over there in England. Unfortunately, they're football team got I'm pretty sure they got relegated this this year um, he's a pretty
0: decent runner I, I don't
1: know if it's, he's in a lot of groups on Strava he's, um, uh, he's, he's 226
0: marathons I don't know if it's the same estimated best effort so and a 109 half so he's
1: a decent runner yeah uh longest bike ride he's done 243 kilometers and the biggest climb he's done must be a juicy one it's uh, 1717 meters which is Bigger than any climb I've done. And I've done some big ones. Uh, where the hell did he go to do that? Did 160 kilometer bike ride. It's 5 hours, 52 minutes. And where is it? Uh, come on Strava. I'm going to guess. Not gonna he's guess. got some good photos.
0: I'll tell you what. He likes his, he likes his burgers. Yep. <laughs> he's got a photo of burgers. Like, a lot, the amount of training he does, he can pull it off. But i tell you what. You wouldn't want that diet for long term.
1: Where the hell is this bike ride? Oh, here we go. Uh, bear with me, in Cyprus. Yeah, there you go. Bloody hell! It's a big bike ride. The Cypress Hill. Yes, yeah, Hill. <laughs> Wanna I want to get hard. So it high. goes from twenty k's up to. it's about a fifty km climb. Wow, that's, that's it's it's impressive. Biggie. Nice work. So,
0: Kevin Powell, you uh, are our winner of the week. week. Okay, John Bo, let's wrap things up here. You haven't done your swim because you come straight home or straight here this morning. So let's say thank you to our patrons.
1: Uh yeah we will uh Scott the sleek sheet Sheridan, we've got Jonathan the lumberjack woodman and Mark Wiltshire the unpredictable. Okay, if you want to become oh, so I've got to answer my quiz questions. Well, you ramble on about something. Uh,
0: so if you want to get the show emailed to you, go to www.imtalk.me. Also, if you want to become a patron like those cool people. All you need to do is go to imtalk.me, look for where you become a patron, and that makes it pretty obvious from there. Uh, for those who are patrons, we really appreciate your support. It just keeps us in the game. Uh, if you want some coaching, coachjohnnewsome.com, or you can check out one of his epic camps. Now, I know he's got Alk coming up next
1: year. Kona's a confirmed thing. Kona 70.3 camp. I'm taking applications now. Um, it's pretty much locked in. Uh in New Zealand? Sorry? In New Zealand at some stage? Uh, doing it. No, I'm not having anything planned for New Zealand other than a little mini camp down in Queenstown uh, in April. But Kona, if you want to get on it, that 70.3 is awesome. Uh, and just a cool cool week to be on the big island. Uh,
0: and also, if you want to check out any of my work, bevinjamesours.com. Cool web, any content, just send it to I am talk what was the answer?
1: Well, so the bike course is classified as hilly for, for Nice and maybe just have a pause just for a second while I find this.
0: <coughs> okay, what's the answer, John Booth?
1: So the question was, what is the elevation difference between the Ironman World Champs in Nice, the Vinfast Ironman World Champs for the boys, and uh, the course in Kona? The answer is, for Nice, they are going to be doing 2,427 metres of elevation on the bike course. Um, basically, you've got a bit of a climb, a bit of flat, a bit of a climb to start with, plateaus a bit, down and then a really long climb, long plateau, and then you come back the, come back uh, and sort of loop it with all the descents on the way back. So 2,427, so pretty decent. And then when you compare that to Kona, I just had to pull up my file from 2014 because uh, on the website on ironman.com, they don't have the elevation for the bike course, uh, and I recorded 1,007 metres, so two and a half times the elevation you get in Kona. It's a game changer, right? Because it's
0: not just for the bike. But it affects the run as well, doesn't it? Mm. You know, so um, even a strong runners, like, do you think we'll have a slower time than the runs in Lisa? Uh In Nice?
1: No, I think we'll have uh, some electric fast times on the run. But do you, the, will the
0: bike fatigue affect that?
1: Well, the thing with the bike is because you're descending in the second half, you'd think you're going to be a little bit, bit fresher um, coming off the bike. And then, secondly, uh, the run course is dead flat. And then, thirdly, in September, it shouldn't be. Too hot, so I think it's going to be really optimal running conditions. Um, but you don't have any hills to sort of break it up to give the muscles a little bit of recovery. But I, I would expect some fast running times over there.
0: Okay, well, it's exciting times
1: ahead. Okay, the Jombo, bike's wh- going to be fascinating.
0: It's, it's, like it's, I'm, I'm excited. Mm. You know, like it's cool to think that we're going to see something slightly different. Okay, John what you got?
1: What's my gosh? And my first sort of run last night, um, basically since right, I tried a couple afterwards. And when I talked about my quad fatigue in the race, my quad fatigue post race, you know, you normally get those DOMs and they'll last for a few days. My God, they just went on and on and on. And that's partly because I was on holiday and we were just sort of cruising around. And but I tried a couple of jogs and it was not happening. We did a a, in Greece. We went and did the 16k hike um, on friday so race yeah. sunday did this big hike on on the friday and but it was net downhill you basically drove up this awesome mountain and then it was net downhill to the sea it was logistically it was quite a challenge but you know you're losing twelve, thirteen hundred 1300 meters of elevation so it's all downhill and my god i was i was my legs were a little tender to start at the <laughs> end i was a broken man <laughs> um, wicked wicked court, wicked wicked um place to go though. so yeah, just ease back into a bit of training. Um, July is going to be pretty, pretty chilled out, and then I'll sort of set my some objectives after that. So just getting back into the groove.
0: Get back into the groove thing, eh? Hey? Bevan's
1: going on holiday. Yep. So unfortunately,
0: with my back, I have got another bulging disc, which is unfortunate. So I'm getting a a, a cortisone injection tomorrow and uh, Thursday. Sorry. And from what I understand, it either totally works. Or it totally. Doesn't work at all, so mm. and you know pretty quickly. So it's a bit of a fingers crossed, um, because I've got a lot of nerve. If I'm not on drugs, I'm on a lot of drugs right now, so it's manageable. Mm. But if I'm not on drugs, I really can't really function. So, um, so that's that. And then we're heading to Bali, and I'm so looking forward to it because we haven't just had that long holiday, mm-hmm. you know, really since COVID. And um it's a good time to be going away. It and, is, you know, like it's dark and it's winter and it's cold and um and joe, joe joe's had a really rough period of life we lost her dad last year we're losing an auntie right now and her auntie's kind of like her second mother mm-hmm. um everybody her cat's got cancer so everything's mm. in my back so everything's going wrong for my wife right now so we need some time away mm-hmm. we're just going to reconnect well, not just we, we we're good but isn't just like escape the world for a moment mm-hmm. you know it's so Bali, good
1: when you do that because you you just don't look at the news yeah and you're just like just cruising read a book it's great read, and, I, and
0: I, Bali's great. Have great been to Bali? No. Have you, oh, really? No. Wow. For mm-hmm. for if you want to just chillax, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's perfect because it's more than an island because if you want to sit by the pool or by the, by the beach, you can do that. But there's plenty of activities, so you can do activity stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's decent shopping if you want to shop, not that I really do. Great food. Mm-hmm. And you've got the great food as in like the, the plastic chairs down the road for $2, mm-hmm. but the food's amazing. Right through to high-end restaurants, which are kind of like a half the price you'd pay here. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, we just, and, and massages, seriously, massage every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're paying $15 in New Zealand for a little like an hour massage.
1: We stayed at quite nice places when we were in Greece, and yep. uh, I thought, okay, I was going to get a massage, and it was like 100 euros or so, I'm not getting a massage. <laughs> well, I was speaking
0: to someone who <laughs> went to um, Singapore, and uh, they were at the hotel, and they are booking out to go, go home that day, and they thought, we we'll sit by the pool and you have a glass of gin. Two podcasts of gym was $40 New Zealand. Mm. No, $80 New Zealand. Mm. So $40 each.
1: Fuck that. Yeah. I'd be having water. Go to Germany for <laughs> drinking. Cheap in Germany. And in Greece. Mm.
0: Anyway, team, let's wrap things up.
1: Iron Russ. Iron Mendo. Train hard. Train
0: smart. Kia, Kia your car. Car.